When my babies were going through their exploration stage, I had so much to worry about. Falling over, bumping heads, what did she just put in her mouth? The list was endless. But when they were in Pampers Swaddlers, I knew I never had to worry about a leaky diaper. Swaddlers are great for both baby and mommy. They keep your baby's skin healthy and dry with Pampers Breathe-Free Liner, which wicks away wetness, allowing your baby's skin to breathe. Swaddlers have always given me peace of mind knowing that diaper rash and leaky diapers were not in our future. There's also the blowout barrier at the back waist to help prevent up to 100% of leaks even blowouts. Pamper Swaddlers are dermatologists approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic and free of parabens and latex. Your baby deserves that. And they're available in a wide range of sizes from newborn to size eight. Now feature designs with the newest animal characters, Shiloh the Elephant and Freddy the Duck. Having a diaper you can depend on is important and it's why I have always loved Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today to start earning rewards with every diapers and wipes purchase. Not to mention, get great parenting content with Pampers Club. A little update on our March 27th live recording of Latina to Latina. You did it. You sold out our early bird tickets. Thank you, thank you, thank you. There is still time to grab your regular tickets while they last. Again, the details. We are partnering with our friends at Poderistas to bring you a conversation with New York Times bestselling author, Sochil Gonzalez. It is happening at the William Vale in Brooklyn on March 27th. You can find the link to purchase tickets on our Instagram page at Latina to Latina or online at Alicia Menendez XO. I cannot wait to see you. Delina Soto calls herself an anti-diet dietitian. Her approach, eating without guilt and embracing our culture, which she shares online as your Latina nutritionist, has earned her a massive social following. Here's the thing that I love about Delina. Rather than just talk about diet and wellness culture, she's actually built a framework for reckoning with it. So in this episode, I'm going to have her walk us through her Chula Method, her guide to food freedom. Dalina, thank you for doing this. Oh, thank you for having me. Okay, so you go to Penn State thinking that you're going to be pre-med. You take a Nutrition 101 class, and it really turns you around. What is it that happens in that class? In my mind, I always was just like, I'm going to be a doctor. Nobody's going to stop me. But I think when I went into that nutrition class, it was very eye-opening to me, just seeing like a different side of health I never thought about. I didn't come from a family that dieted a lot. I didn't come from a family that viewed food more than just what it was. <laughs> you know, like I wasn't raised in that way. And then like I just learned how food plays such a major part in our health and it just kind of like clicked all of the things of like okay, so not only do I want to help people because I've always been like a helper, but more importantly, like I want to make sure people don't get sick. Like that was my train of thought then. Very wellness culture, very diet culturally in a sense, because I didn't know better. You use terms we hear thrown around a lot, diet culture, wellness culture, and you do such a great job on your Instagram of talking about how both of those cultures are built around ideas of control of moral superiority. Mm -hmm. As you said, you sort of went into this practice indoctrinated in that baseline culture. Is there a moment where you say, 
wait a minute, something's not right here. (laughs) I mean, yeah, I think that throughout education, you sit there and you're like, okay, I'm this first gen, pretty much the only Latina in all of my classes, and you're alone. And you're thinking to yourself, like, I'm paying all of this money. These people have to be right. (laughs) There's no way what I'm learning is wrong. Like, hello. And I think you know, for a very long time, I was like, yeah, this has to be right. But there were definitely certain times where I had like this dissonance of like, hearing the statistics of like, okay, black and brown Americans have higher rates of diabetes, they have higher rates of heart disease, they have all of this, and it's the food. In the back of my mind, even though I was like believing it, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, In the back of my mind, I was still like, but wait, like my family eats these foods, and we don't have diabetes in my family. Like nobody in my family has diabetes, nobody in my family has heart disease. Like everybody is like really, really healthy, and we all eat all of these foods. I mean, like my mom is one of eight. I had a lot of people to choose from. And I was like, there's just like not, this is not a thing. One of the reasons I wanted to talk to you, Delina, is because you have really found language around this that is accessible, has helped me understand the extent to which I have internalized all of these ideas. So if it's okay with you, I want to walk through the Chula method mm-hmm. as a skill that our listeners can return to or that might help reframe for them some of the ways that they think about food. So let's start with C, challenging the negative thought. Everybody has negative thoughts around food. I mean, I can't introduce myself as a dietitian anywhere because the first thing is like, oh my God, is is this bad? Is Am I eating this <laughs> wrong? Like, should I not be eating this? But I think we all have those thoughts around food. And that's normal because we hear it in the media. We hear it everywhere. I mean, I just did a TikTok because me and my kids were watching a Christmas movie. The wicked stepmom says to one of her daughters like we're going to the ball and you can't eat carbs because they're gonna make you fat and i was i just like paused the tv and i looked over to my kids and i was like that is not true (laughs) and they're like we know we know because i do it so much (laughs) because it's everywhere (laughs) it's everywhere they're so tired of me but i'm like no i gotta reiterate this like you need to remember this like carbs are not bad carbs will make you fat fat is not a bad word and they're like wait now but it's like everywhere, right? So imagine growing up without someone that's going to help you challenge those thoughts, right? Like I'm helping my kids challenge that immediately as soon as we hear it, as opposed to like a lot of kids internalize that. A lot of kids hear it from their own parents. A lot of kids hear it from their teachers, from their peers. And I'm just like, you know, constantly having to battle these ideas. We have a lot of them inside of our brains. So the first step is letting them out and challenging them. When my babies were going through their exploration stage, I had so much to worry about. Falling over, bumping heads, what did she just put in her mouth? The list was endless. But when they were in pamper swaddlers, I knew I never had to worry about a leaky diaper. Swaddlers are great for both baby and mommy. They keep your baby's skin healthy and dry with Pampers Breathe Free Liner, which wicks away wetness, allowing your baby's skin to breathe. Swaddlers have always given me peace of mind knowing that diaper rash and leaky diapers were not in our future. There's also the blowout barrier at the back waist to help prevent up to 100% of leaks, even blowouts. Pamper Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic and free of parabens and latex. Your baby deserves that. And they're available in a wide range of sizes from newborn to size eight, and now feature designs with the newest animal characters, Shiloh the Elephant and Freddy the Duck. Having a diaper you can depend on is important, and it's why I have always loved Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. 
Download the Pampers Club app today to start earning rewards with every diapers and wipes purchase. Not to mention, get great parenting content with Pampers Club. Hola, Latina to Latina listeners. This is Vanessa, co-CEO of We All Girl Latina. Hola, this is Anna. We All Girl Latina founder, and both of us are the co-creators of the Amiga Circle Conversation Cards. We pour our heart and soul into the art of nurturing and cultivating deep connections virtually and in real life, which is why we're excited to tell you about our very first offering to our community. The Amiga Circle Conversation Cards is a deck of 99 bilingual prompts designed to strengthen sisterhood by igniting conversations and nurture intimacy. Each carefully crafted card shares questions in Espanol and in English to gather in circles and ignite soul-aligned conversations to honor our individual and collective stories. The Amiga Circle Conversation Cards help us bear witness to each other's joy, struggles, hopes, and fears. Head over to weallgirlatina.com today to order yours and enter LTL Amiga at checkout for a special 10% discount. Again, that's weallgirlatina.com. Hi, Latina to Latina listeners. It's Brenda from Tamarindo Podcast. And if you love Latina to Latina, then we know that you're going to love Tamarindo Podcast. And if you're in the L.A. area and can't make it to the Latina to Latina live event, we'd like to invite you to our event on March 28th at 6.30 p.m. We're hosting Amigas Blossoming, a night of celebrating and cultivating blossoming friendships. This will be in Highland Park, and all the details to RSVP for free are at tamarindopodcast.com forward slash events. Then you have H, honor your body and health. Mm -hmm. What you have really helped me disentangle here is that we often use weight as the default measurement of a person's health, when really there are a ton of other measurements that tell you how healthy a person is or isn't. Yes. And I think health is also something that people use as a morality measure as well on threads. Currently, as we speak, there is this viral post of this person I have never seen before saying that health is an option. And saying that you could work on it and you could do all of these things. And it's like, actually, no, you can wake up tomorrow and be disabled and not have health anymore, right? Like you could wake up tomorrow and be diagnosed with something. When you think about the definition of health, it's like the absence of disease. And nobody is really absent <laughs> of disease. We all have something, right? That as humans, as cells die, as we grow, as genetics, socioeconomic status, environmental things. I mean, I'm blind. Okay. I have to wear contacts. Technically, I'm not healthy. <laughs> In the sense of the definition of healthy, technically, I wouldn't be considered healthy because I can't see without my glasses. I have genetic high cholesterol. That doesn't make me a bad dietitian. That doesn't make me a bad person. It just means I have to work a little harder to get my LDLs down. And if I'm going to be quite frank, the research has only been done on white men. Like a lot of the research that we have on LDL, most of it comes from one study that was done in like the 1940s or 50s. I can't remember the exact date. And that is what we have based all of our recommendations on. And I am not a white man. <laughs> so how do I know that that recommendation is actually right? I don't. But do I think that we have to keep those ranges and we have to normalize understanding those numbers and normalize adding nutrition and making sure that we're not getting to a point where that number is really high and scary. And I'm like, oh, we got to reel it in. Yes. Also normalizing 
averages and normalizing stability. So like if your blood work is the same year after year after year, I'm like, cool, those numbers aren't moving. That's a good thing. It's telling me that what you're doing is great. Now, if I see fluctuations where they're constantly going up and then you drop them because you go on a crazy diet, but then they come back up when you're off that crazy diet, like that's not healthy, right? Like we like to have stability. So when we're talking about honoring your health, we're talking about like you as an individual taking all of the factors into consideration and saying, this is what your baseline is, what does health mean to you, and how are we going to achieve that without getting crazy. (laughs) You talk about you understanding your body cues, understanding your needs, which brings me to one of your saltiest takes, which is like, (laughs) maybe you're not addicted to sugar. Maybe you're just not eating enough. Yes. I have a personal anecdote for that one. So my kids brought home the stomach bug this week. And so your girl couldn't eat for a few days. I mean, like I was nauseous. Okay. So I got over the bug, but I was still looking at food. If I looked at me, I was like, oh, for a minute, I was like, am I pregnant? But I wasn't. But I say this to say that like, I barely ate. Okay. Because I was trying, right? Obviously I was like, you got to eat something, but it wasn't full Delina nourishment. And yesterday I finally felt better and I ate eight cookies. Okay. We went to the supermarket and we got black and white cookies and they were so delicious. And you know what my body was doing? It was <laughs> getting back all the carbohydrates I didn't have for the last five days that I was sick. Was I binging? No, I didn't have, you know, the whole thing of cookies at once. Throughout the day, I had eight cookies. Am I worried about it? No. <laughs> but I did think to myself, holy shit, like you literally have barely ate since last Wednesday because you've been queasy and puking. And it is completely normal that your body is now like, I need quick energy. I need carbohydrates. And those cookies were freaking good. And I'm not mad at myself. And that's literally normal. Well, and it dovetails nicely with the next one, A, acknowledge your emotions because there are times where we are happy and we have cookies. There are times where we are sad and we have cookies. And what you are challenging us to do is have an awareness around it, right? It's okay to be in celebration mode. It's okay to choose to have a cookie because you are celebrating. What you want us to do is to watch when we are disconnecting the emotion from the food. Yes. And that is something that we need to remember. I know we skipped L, so we're going to go to A really quick. Um, Delina, I have never been the best speller. (laughs) It's okay. It's okay. We'll go back to L. Um, But I think that a lot of people numb with food. I think we all know that. We have never been taught to actually use food as a coping mechanism. We have been taught to numb with food. Like, again, you watch movies or like somebody brought up once like Olivia Pope and like whenever she had a bad day, she would have like that huge glass and she would pour the whole entire bottle of wine and she would just like drink it. Don't forget the popcorn. And the popcorn on the couch. She never dealt with the emotions. She just drank them away. And as a society, we either drink it away, eat it away, or use drugs to numb, right? Like those are the three things that we go to instead of actually sitting with our emotions, working through them. That's why therapy is so important. And so for a lot of people, food becomes this mechanism. Again, there's nothing wrong. We celebrate with food. We love with food. Food is a normal, natural part of life and coping. But if you're going to come home and you've had a bad day and you're going to eat a whole tub of ice cream because one, you deserve it and two, you're stressed and then you're going to feel like crap afterwards. What are you learning? Nothing. You're not. So like, why not just grab the ice cream, have a bowl, 
Think about what's happening. Why are you feeling this way? Do whatever it is that you need to do. Journal it, talk it out, whatever it is. But like, you shouldn't eat the whole thing because one, you're probably going to poop your pants later. That is a lot of ice cream. Okay. And two, you're just going to feel more guilty and crappy afterwards. Instead of utilizing the ice cream to actually help work through the emotions, you're just numbing it. Right. So that's why I'm like, you have to understand and learn. And that's really hard for a lot of people. A lot of people aren't there yet. And I'm not a therapist. And that's where you go to your therapist and you learn and you figure that out. But we have to learn to sit with our emotions. And it doesn't happen overnight. You know, it takes time. It's not something that you just are going to read my five sentences and be like, okay, I got it. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> Hola, Latina to Latina listeners. This is Vanessa, co-CEO of We All Grow Latina. Hola, this is Anna, We All Grow Latina founder, and both of us are the co-creators of the Amiga Circle Conversation Cards. We pour our heart and soul into the art of nurturing and cultivating deep connections virtually and in real life, which is why we're excited to tell you about our very first offering to our community. The Amiga Circle Conversation Cards is a deck of 99 bilingual prompts designed to strengthen sisterhood by igniting conversations and nurture intimacy. Each carefully crafted card shares questions in Espanol and in English to gather in circles and ignite soul-aligned conversations to honor our individual and collective stories. The Amiga Circle Conversation Cards help us bear witness to each other's joy, struggles, hopes, and fears. Head over to weallgirllatina.com today to order yours and enter LTL Amiga at checkout for a special 10% discount. Again, that's weallgirllatina.com. Hi, Latina to Latina listeners. It's Brenda from Tamarindo Podcast. And if you love Latina to Latina, then we know that you're going to love Tamarindo Podcast. And if you're in the L.A. area and can't make it to the Latina to Latina live event, we'd like to invite you to our event on March 28th at 6.30 p.m. We're hosting Amigas Blossoming, a night of celebrating and cultivating blossoming friendships. This will be in Highland Park, and all the details to RSVP for free are at tamarindopodcast.com forward slash events. Okay, let's go back to L. Listen to your hunger because this is something I was not able to do until recently. Listening to your hunger cues, listening to your fullness cues. A lot of us just lose that in childhood. Yeah, we unlearn them super quick. Like my kids, again, going back to the black and white cookies last night for dinner, they're like, we're done because we're saving space for the cookies. And I'm like, okay, just let it go. I have to honor the fact that they know like, hey, I finished eating this food because I had to leave space for them cookies that you just bought us. <laughs> and I can't take that away from them because that's something that we should be able to do naturally and normally, right? Like we had dinner and they should be able to enjoy those cookies and they don't want to be overfull. So it's important to be able to honor that for them. But again, as adults, we also have to understand that, right? Like a lot of us don't know what fullness is. Delina, I will admit to you that this brought up for me a shame memory, which was about a decade ago. I was on The Chew. It was this ensemble food show where they would make food and chit-chat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was asked about my favorite recipe. And I said, oh, my favorite recipe is my grandmother's picadillo. And then in passing, I said something really stupid like, well, you know, a lot of ethnic food just isn't really that healthy. <laughs> and there was a woman on Twitter who called me out for that comment. And I am so 
grateful that she called me out for that comment because it made me realize the extent to which I had internalized this idea that the food we grew up eating, the food we grew up loving was somehow less than, was somehow unhealthy. And you use the example often of white rice Mm -hmm. and how it has been deemed unhealthy in favor of something like brown rice when (laughs) really there's not that much difference. Uh, It's not. And you probably cannot name one dish that's actually culturally made with brown rice. (laughs) I have this discourse a lot. All my viral posts that have gone like mega viral about white rice, and I ask this question, not one person can give me a dish that is actually made with brown rice. Now, I did do a post because I was like, I got to deep dive into this because somebody's going to call me out one day. And (laughs) like I did research the history of it. All rice starts off as brown. It's a grain. So all grains have a bran and then they have the germ and the endosperm. And the germ is what's the white rice. In order for you to get that white rice, you have to take that bran off, that brown shell. Hundreds of years ago, that's when people were eating brown rice because they didn't have the ability to polish it, take that off. Only the wealthy was eating white rice. And then you flip-flop that into the 1900s where then the health halos started coming out. And like the U.S. was all about whole grains and whole grains have more fiber and, you know, whole grains are better for you. And then brown rice switched over to the stat. Now, once the whole world was eating white rice (laughs) because they refined it and it became a staple. I mean, the majority of the world eats white rice. Um, And we have, I think it's like I want to say 120,000 different types of rice. There's like red rice and there's like black rice and there's wild rice. I'm not talking about those rices. I'm literally only talking about brown rice because brown rice is like the health halo that the United States loves to throw into people's faces. And it's like, it's not even worth it (laughs) because it's just one gram of fiber. You bring up a good point, and it is one that I want to make sure we land on, which is thinking about nutrition as being additive. If eating white rice inspires you to use a nutrient-rich bean, a nutrient-rich vegetable that you can taste and enjoy, that is as important as the carrying agent underneath it, right? We spend so much time thinking about what we can't have that we don't spend enough time thinking about what we can add that's going to nourish our body, nourish our soul. I often say not many of us are eating white rice on its own every day. Do we do it? Yes. Like I love taking that first spoon of rice and putting it in my hand and eating it, right? Like as a snack or like as you're cooking, like it's just like the most delicious bite in the world. But for the most part, nobody, we're creating meals, right? So that's why I always say like white rice, it's a great vehicle to add nutrition. When you add beans, when you add peas, when you add lentils, when you add eggs, when you add whatever it is that you want to add to it to make a dish, you're adding more nutrition than you could have possibly taken away when you took the brand. Like the brand doesn't hold that much nutrition in it. It's very minuscule. And now we're adding it probably tenfold. So you're getting even more nutrition in a dish that you're actually going to enjoy. And in case anybody needs to hear it, right, because I talk about satisfaction all the time, when you eat food that tastes good, you actually digest it better because you create more saliva, you create more gastric juices. And 
I know that a lot of people didn't take an organic chemistry class or a macronutrient class, so I'm going to break it down for y'all. We need those enzymes in those juices, the saliva, the gastric juices, the stomach, the small intestine, all of those that we're producing when we look at a food that smells good, tastes good, to digest the nutrition in it. So when you're eating food that's bland, that you don't want to eat it, guess what? <laughs> you're not even getting all the benefits. <laughs> you're not even digesting all the nutrition. So you're just forcing yourself to eat this food because you think you have to, not because you have to. Delina, I just think you are so awesome and so clear, and I am so grateful for your time. Thank you for doing this. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. Latina to Latina is executive produced and owned by Juleka Lantigua and me, Alicia Menendez. Paulina Velasco is our producer. Cochin Tashiro is our lead producer. Trent Lightburn mixed this episode. We love hearing from you. Email us at hola at latinatolatina.com. Slide into our DMs on Instagram or tweet us at Latina to Latina. Check out our merchandise at latinatolatina.com slash shop. And remember to subscribe or follow us on Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Good Pods, wherever you're listening right now. Every time you share the podcast, every time you leave a review, you help us to grow as a community. A little update on our March 27th live recording of Latina to Latina. You did it. You sold out our early bird tickets. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There is still time to grab your regular tickets while they last. Again, the details. We are partnering with our friends at Poderistas to bring you a conversation with New York Times bestselling author Sochil Gonzalez. It is happening at the William Vale in Brooklyn on March 27th. You can find the link to purchase tickets on our Instagram page at Latina to Latina or online at Alicia Menendez XO. I cannot wait to see you.